0: welcome October. October is one of my favorite months, but it's also one of the hardest months for me. And today's topic is going to be just a little bit heavier than normal because we're talking about moving through a miscarriage. October is actually baby loss month. It's sort of the month that's set aside to uh, acknowledge all of the unborn babies. And I love that about October. I love October because I love fall, my oldest son, his birthday is in October, and I personally really love trick-or-treating and getting to give candy to the kids in my neighborhood and all of that. But October is really hard for me personally because it also is the month that we lost our son. And about seven years ago this month, actually, we had a pregnancy that ended in a miscarriage. And I was 20 weeks along. This was our fourth baby. And I'll tell you, this baby was a pretty big surprise for us. We were not trying to get pregnant. Our Kids were, you know, within three years of each other, our oldest was four. And so this would have been four kids in five years. And it was incredibly overwhelming um, when I found out that I was pregnant. And it was also unbelievably overwhelming when I found out that we had lost this baby. Um, We went in for our ultrasound to find out if we were having a boy or a girl. We had a gender reveal party planned for that night. And, you know, I'll tell you this entire pregnancy, I had just felt like something was wrong. And I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I just felt off. And Um, I hadn't really felt the baby move, even though at 20 weeks, you know, that could be not that big of a deal. But this was my fourth kid. And so I should have been able to do that. And I just had this sort of consistently ominous feeling. And I rebuked that feeling as much as I could. I prayed life over this baby, you know, all of that. And I'll never forget on October, I think it was October 9th, And I was sitting in my bedroom, in a chair in my bedroom, and I was spending time with the Lord. And we were going in that day to find out if we were having a boy or a girl. And so this would have figured out if we were having our, our, you know, uh, all boys and one girl or an even number. And as I was spending time with the Lord, I had a picture come into my mind or a vision, and it was of me sitting in the ultrasound room at my doctor's office and my doctor coming in and saying with a very sober look on her face, Rachel, your baby doesn't have a heartbeat. And I remember opening my eyes and rebuking that thought and praying life over this child. And I got up to just sort of distract myself and went to go get ready. And I put my contacts in. And as I was putting my contacts in, I felt the Holy Spirit gently say, you should wear your glasses today. You're going to be crying a lot. And I thought, what is going on? And so I rebuked that thought also. And I stuck my contacts in, in spite of whatever that was. And I went to my doctor's appointment a few hours later and That's exactly what happened. What I saw in the vision happened. The ultrasound technician put the paddle down on my stomach. She almost immediately lifted it right back up and turned the entire machine down. And she said, excuse me, I'll be right back. And she left the room. And I looked at my husband and I said, I don't think this is good. I don't think this is a good thing. And about four or five minutes later, my doctor came in the room and she said, Rachel, I don't really know how to tell you this, but I'm sorry, but your baby doesn't have a heartbeat. And... I just went into shock. I was stunned, although I can't really say I was surprised because God, I think, had been preparing me, but it didn't change the way that it felt. And I laid there and she said, we're about to do something that's very difficult. And she said, I need to finish this ultrasound so we can see what's really going on. Um, And I know this is going to be really hard. I said, it's okay. Go ahead and do what you need to do. And so we finished the ultrasound and the baby was measuring between 15 and 16 weeks, even though I was Twenty weeks. So what this meant was for three weeks, my son was gone and I didn't know. And that was a whole nother dimension of grief that was very difficult. And um, we began the process, the very, very hard process of the aftermath. The next day we went to the hospital to begin being induced to deliver a stillborn because at that point in a pregnancy, um, it is a delivery. And that entire process was just brutal on so many levels. And then the aftermath began, right? The grieving process began. And I've learned so much in the seven years since this moment. And I wanted to do something to share with those of you who have either been through something like this or will go through something like this, because the truth of the matter is that um, one in three pregnancies will end in a miscarriage. And what that means really is that if you look around the women in your life, at least one of them at least has been through this as well. For some reason, it's something that we don't talk about very often. We in turn, we actually like don't even acknowledge it. And I think that it makes people uncomfortable because really, if you have an early miscarriage or you have a miscarriage in my situation, people aren't really connected to your baby until your baby is born sometimes for the husbands or the partners, they're not even really connected to your baby um, or their baby either. And so um, what we did, what we chose to do was our hospital had just developed a program where they would um, bury the baby for you. And they had bought a, a portion of um, plots in a cemetery in our town that was called Babyland. And a Boy Scout who was working on his Eagle Scout project had developed this bench that looked over this pond and it was a memorial to the unborn, which is what it was called. And it was a place for mothers to go and grieve. And so they did a ceremony every six months, I believe, where they would do a memorial for all of the babies who had been lost in that amount of time. Since the previous one. And so the weird thing is, although we lost our baby on October 11th in 2012, we buried him in April of 2013. It was the most surreal and terrible experience. In fact, it's one of the few things that I actually kind of regret. I think at that time in my life, I had so much going on. I haven't even told you about how they thought I had cancer in the midst of that pregnancy as well. And so all the focus became about. My personal health and getting me healthy after we lost the baby that I just think I wasn't really thinking and I would give anything to have gone back and done a single burial for my son. But you can't change the past, right? You have to just sort of say there are moments in life that we regret and I can't live under the power of that regret forever. I'm thankful that there's a memorial, there's a date on a little plaque at this cemetery where I can go and visit where my son was buried. And I'm sorry if this is too um, intense for you for a podcast, but listen, the women around you are going through things like this and we need to know how to care for ourselves and for those that um, go through this if you have never experienced this yourself. I want to tell you one of the best pieces of advice that I was ever given and someone mailed me the book free to grieve, um, after they found out that we had lost our son and in the book, which we had already decided we were going to name him, but in the book, it talks about the importance of naming your baby. Now for some, if you lose your baby, um, early enough to where you don't know if it was a boy or a girl, there are so many gender, gender neutral names that you can choose, Um, You know, or you can, maybe you had a sense of whether it was a boy or a girl and you can choose a name related to that. But listen, I am telling you, it is such a healing thing to give this little life a name because even though no one else might've even known you were pregnant, you knew, and there was a life that you you got to host for a very short amount of time. And that life mattered to you and it mattered to God. It doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks about it. It's about you. Right. So we named our son Kingston Sparrow Wartman. In fact, the day um, that we went to the hospital to be induced to deliver him, I woke up that morning with the word Kingston just emblazoned on my mind. I actually it was like um, I could see the letters over my mind's eye and I went and Googled what it was because I wasn't even really sure. And it means Kingstown. And I just began to cry because. This is my child's reality to live in the king's town all the days of his life. And I thought, wow, God, what a beautiful name for him, you know. And then we named him Sparrow because the Lord had given me a promise that he would watch over me just in Grant, just as he was watching over this little life. And so that's where Kingston Sparrow Wortman got his name. And I just encourage you, name your baby, even if you don't tell anybody the name, right? Even if it's just something between you and your husband, name him. Give him a name. Give him an identity. Give him a, a spot in life that was real and cherished. The other thing I feel like has to be talked about is the fact that grief is incredibly lonely. And in a marriage, when you've had a miscarriage, it's almost impossible for the husband and wife to grieve in the same way. And that's not to say that the husbands aren't grieving. I think sometimes grief is one of those things where you just miss each other. One person is having a really bad day and the other one is actually feeling kind of at peace about it. And then that might flip flop and you never really know how that other person stands, right? Especially if you have had a miscarriage that's a little bit farther down the road and you as a woman, you, your body was even changing related to that pregnancy. Oh man, it is such a hard thing to grieve because not only have you lost this life, but also your physical body has changed as well. That was one of the hardest things for me. I'll never forget the feeling of walking out of the hospital without a baby when i had walked into the hospital with one i remember being in walmart from the the 24 hours when when we found out i had had a miscarriage to when we were headed to the hospital to deliver and i was getting some things ready for my kids and i was walking around and i was just looking at all the people going about their lives and i was thinking to myself they have no idea what i'm going through they have no idea the pain that's inside of me right now and there was so much loneliness in that moment And even if someone was able to somehow know, it wouldn't have changed the depth of the loneliness that's there. I think when we are going through a miscarriage, what we have to keep at the forefront of our minds is that grief is lonely and that grief is incredibly individualistic, meaning people grieve in different ways. People go through grief at different paces. Don't put onto yourself some sort of standard of what it looks like, or at some point you're supposed to feel ready, or maybe you feel better, quicker than you thought you should, right? You need to let your grief do what it can do for you and hold yourself to your own pace and not your partner to that pace as well. Grief is incredibly lonely One of the things that always comes up when you experience a miscarriage is this insatiable need to get pregnant again. It's like there's something inside of our minds that thinks, if I can get pregnant again, then I can sort of forget that this ever happened. And even though in the back of our minds we sort of know that that's not going to change anything, there's this sort of overwhelming drive in us, especially as women, to do that. But I just want to encourage you, take your time. Obviously, and I think we all would know this, but having another baby is not going to change the fact that you lost this one. Having another baby is not going to make the feeling of grief go away. In fact, if nothing else, it actually kind of complicates it. If you get pregnant right away, which I'm not faulting you for, and for some people that is the right answer, for a lot of us, if you do that, there's this sort of subtle feeling in the back of your mind where you're very aware it was either you or the one that I lost. And there's a lot of internal sorting out that has to be um, done so that we can look at the baby that we do have that's healthy and say, wow, you're here, even though you know you wouldn't be here if this pregnancy had worked out. Somebody also gave me this piece of advice to acquire something that requires growth in your life. So, you know, if you lose, if you have a child that you lose, if you have a pregnancy that you lost a lot of the recommendation is maybe get a plant or a tree that you can plant in your yard and you can watch it bloom. Right. And it kind of has this sort of healing property to that. I have entirely black thumbs, so that was not really an option for me. But because this baby was such a surprise and because I knew that uh, I was facing a lot of personal health challenges, the option of turning around and getting pregnant again for us personally just wasn't there. It didn't make sense. But I'll tell you, three years later, when we did decide to have another child and we decided to um, get pregnant with our daughter, Grace, for the first several months of her life, it was a debilitating feeling for me because I felt both exhilaration and joy over who she was, but I also felt this tremendous sadness over the one that wouldn't be. I just felt this sort of anger of, I wouldn't have her, this amazing blessing, if I hadn't have lost this child. And I'll tell you what, the only way I made it through that scenario, that, that situation, was to go straight to the heart of God. Listen, I know this is kind of a morbid thought, but God actually invented the cycle of death. When we were in the Garden of Eden and everything was great, death wasn't a thing. We had the option to eat from the tree of life. We had the option to sort of live with him forever, like heaven is. But when sin came into the world, God realized that without death, it would be to our detriment. So even though death is a detriment to us, it's also a cycle that God invented and created because in some way it's for our good. But I don't believe that we are actually designed as humans to know what to do with death. So if you're someone who's really struggling and you're, you can't wrap your mind around it, be at peace because maybe you can't. And I don't mean that like there's something wrong with you. I mean that I don't believe we're really hardwired for that. What does that mean? That means that God is really the only one equipped to lead us through our grief journey because God is the one who created this system. But what happens is we get so mad because God is the only one who could have stopped this from happening. And because he didn't, then we just don't want to talk to him. But when we don't talk to him in the midst of our grief, we actually don't get to grieve well. It's like a trap, right? And so my encouragement to you, if you're struggling with this, or maybe you had a miscarriage years ago, but it still kind of haunts you from time to time, go to God, even if you feel like it was his fault, even if you feel mad at him that he didn't do anything about it, go to him and let him lead you through the grief. I'm telling you, he will bring you to a place of peace. He's done that for me in so many ways. For me, the first year was the hardest because I just didn't know how to make sense of it. And the biggest question I kept asking myself was, when people ask me how many kids I have, what am I going to say? I have three kids, but I have had four babies at that point. At this point, I have four kids, but I've had five pregnancies. To every person I know, including my family, Kingston, my son who is in heaven, doesn't really factor into their everyday life, but he does for me. What's crazy is that every year on the day that I delivered him, I see a bird. One year, on the one year anniversary, on the day of the one year anniversary, a sparrow got trapped in. In the garage, I was at my parents' house at a women's conference and I woke up that morning and I told myself, just hold your head up, girl, you're going to be okay. And everybody around me didn't even know what I was going through and that's okay. It wasn't their, you know, burden to bear. And I was excited about the conference, but I knew in the depth of my soul, you know, this was a significant anniversary. And I walked into the garage to go to this conference and there was a sparrow trapped in the garage and I looked at the Lord and I just began to cry. God, you are speaking to me. You are speaking to me about the value of this little life that never made it into my arms. The next year, the two-year anniversary, on that day, a little sparrow was sitting on top of my mailbox when I came home. And then eventually a little family of sparrows made a little nest under my mailbox, which was the coolest thing. And every year on the anniversary of his delivery... I look forward to what God is going to do to remind me. And yes, I have another kid. Grace in no way replaces the spot that Kingston has in my heart. In fact, we have a little ornament. We have three ornaments on our tree that represent him. One that our kids know and two that are symbolic mostly to me. And every year at Christmas time, there's a little bit of a forlorn feeling that washes over me as I put that ornament on my tree because I remember he's not here, This is my reality. But here's the thing. This is my reality. This is what I'm walking through. And I don't need other people's sympathy or their validation or their permission to acknowledge the life that was within me for four months. But I need my own permission to recognize that this was a valuable life. The last thing I want to tell you is that I found myself within the first month or so of this happening, I found myself thinking about how I had been initiated into this secret society that I did not want to be initiated into. And it was the society of the empty armed club. And it was this grouping of women who have all been through this very personal, very secret, very agonizing pain of a miscarriage. And I couldn't do anything about it. I was recruited without my control. And here I'm in this club now where there's a depth of feeling that I have to deal with that other people just don't. And I envy them. I envy those who have never had a miscarriage, who get to say, yeah, I have three kids or two kids or whatnot. And there's nothing lurking in the back of their mind. For me and my recommendation for you, if this is something that you've struggled with, um, that question anyway, is to make peace with it, to make peace with how you're going to answer people. I've chosen that I'm going to be really open and honest that the fact that we have a baby in heaven, it's not a secret. It's not something that I don't talk about. I don't really talk about it as much today as I did for the first three or four years, but it was so healing to me to acknowledge this happened. Yeah. And it changed me. And it will change you. It just will. Especially the circumstances regard you know around and surrounding this miscarriage for you or for those that you know very well. Listen, it does change you. So I, I don't know. I wanted to sort of have this conversation with you. If you know someone that's had a miscarriage, please send this to them. Because sometimes it's good to just know that we're not alone in the things that we're thinking about. And if you've had a miscarriage and you're wondering when do I get pregnant again? What should I do? Well, for me, I decided I was going to wait a year, but again, I had lots of health issues. I had three other children. For you, the main question you need to be able to answer for yourself is, are you ready for a baby or are you trying to replace what just happened? Are you ready for another life or are you trying to be you know, sort of counteracting to what the life you lost was? That's a question only you can answer, right? I think that's part of why they, the body needs some time before it can get pregnant. Again, why they ask you to wait three months if you've had a miscarriage that time is actually really good and really healing so if you've been through a miscarriage and you're wanting to have more kids listen I'm I'm praying for you I'm praying for you this month I'm praying for you that you would have an encounter with God that would bring you some closure I'm praying for you that if you haven't named this baby yet that you would know exactly what's the right name for this little life and I'm praying for you that in your loneliness in the grief that you're going through and in the individualistic nature of your grief that you would find the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Spirit surrounding you, and that you would find people in your life as well who can link arms with you and who will listen to you talk about this little life without fear, without worry, without guilt. Listen, moms, you can do this. God is with you. You can navigate all the things related to a miscarriage. And I just want to say, and I know this one is going a little bit long, but I think this is an important thing to note. When I got pregnant with grace, it was the most terrifying time of my life. In fact, every day when I would take a shower, I would let the water fill up in my hands and I would picture like the water was my fear because I was riddled with fear. Can I go through this again if it doesn't work out? How am I going to pick myself up? You know, all of these questions. And I would let my hands fill with water and I would picture it like my fear. And then I would just hand it over to God every day. Jesus, you can have my fear and I'm taking your peace. Jesus, you can have my fear and I'm taking your comfort. Jesus, you can have my fear and I'm taking your hope. Today, I'm taking your trust. I'm trusting that you're in control. Today, I'm taking your joy, right? Whatever I needed. And even in the moments before my daughter was delivered, if you've heard that story, it's pretty comical in and of itself, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to go through this and I still felt so afraid. And what I've seen on the back end is the grace of God, which is so fitting for her name. But the grace of God was so absolutely present as I chose not to run from him in my terror of the doom that could happen again. But I chose to trust him regardless. And I know that not everyone's, you know, rainbow baby makes it i know some of those rainbow pregnancies do enter a miscarriage too but my encouragement for you my hope for you is that you would be able to stay connected let those walls down with the lord and be able to give him your fear and receive from him what he has for you instead all right mamas you're in my heart Those of you that are in the empty arm club with me, we are sisters for life, whether we want to be or not. And by nature of that, you are not alone. I'm thinking about you this month until next time.